Welcome to the Craft Imperial Podcast, a weekly podcast about cigars, whiskey, and all the banter you could possibly want. You'll join your host, the Bourbon Cowboy, the Viking, as each week we get into different cigars, different whiskeys, budget, hard to find, unicorn, you name it. The rabbit holes we're going to go down, insights, opinions, conversation, new releases from Craft Impero, and anything else we can seem to let fall of our mouths that week. You guys enjoy this episode. Mahalo. All right, all right, aloha, guys. Welcome back to the Craft Impero podcast. You are here with your host, The Viking. Yeah, the Bourbon Cowboy. And we were really excited to be sitting here at Lit Cigar Lounge today with Gerard and Neil, uh, the owners of Jake White Cigars. What's happening, guys? Uh, we're gonna get into all of that here in a minute. Um, big shout out to Scooby Drew. This is what is the name of your brokerage? Tuh. This is Tuh's. This is around and sell cigars. Yeah, this is Tuh's first event as a a broker or a rep for a company, which is uh, it's pretty knock out the park when you got the owners here to do your first one with. You know, so that'll be really cool. Um, what uh, what are we smoking, guys? You are smoking the Lucid Interval Bellicoso 6x52, 52. Which is a Candela. Which is a Candela. The best Candela. It is the best Candela, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into that. I love that ring gauge. I'm smoking the Lancero, which makes it even better because of the smaller ring gauge. You get a very good vibe of that Candela wrapper. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smoking a project here that we literally just got in yesterday from the factory, which is a, uh, may or may not be coming out. Yep. Yeah. Candela on that too, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've got, uh, normally we jump in right away and, and Hodge tells you about the bourbon, but we've got tea sitting here. So explain, whomever, explain this here. What, what's the, the tea aspect with the Candela? That's the direct correlation, right? Is that the idea there? Yeah, to some extent, there is a lot of green tea flavors or some matcha flavors within the Lucid Interval. Um, I always like, especially these, actually just happened to grab these pure leaves. I love them. I drink them constantly. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, it's always kept my palate clean. It's a drink that I've always loved. I drink Pellegrinos constantly. This is my morning. I, I smoke this stick damn near every morning, so it pairs phenomenal with any type of coffee as well. I drink an Americano and usually either a... Uh, a Lancero or a little Corona when I go through the emails every morning. But other than that, tea just came to mind. Andrew was hitting us up, said, what do you like to drink? I said, I can always drink some tea. That's about it. There you go. All right, cool. Go ahead, Drew. Talk about what we got going on tonight before we start getting into the fun stuff. There's an event tonight. All right, so tonight we do have Neil Girardi, as they said. Um, I've got everything from their LEs. Uh, the only gourmet line I do not have any LE is the USIR. Um, I've got Lanceros and literally everything they have. Um, I have Toros and everything besides the lithium. Got a couple of Bellicosos in there, so we're going to be running those tonight. Um, running fun deals. Um, believe I've got some cutters and lighters. Um, make some fun purchases. We'll, we'll get you some of those. Um, we're also got Milagro, is that correct? Milagro, Tequila. yeah. Um, you can speak more on that. Yeah. I know I know Kean's coming in and doing that. He's a great guy, so can't wait for that. Yeah, Kean, the glorious spirit wizard, will be here. Him and his lovely 
Joe, you could be your brother if you had red hair. <laughs> yeah, about as tall as you, not as sharp dressed, but um, now Milagro tequila is is a very very fun tequila. It's a tequila that I've noticed for years now, just kind of sits on shelves, and people are starting to more and more get involved into it. Um, it's my craft. Anytime I go to a Spanish restaurant, they have Milagro. I use their añejo to make my margaritas. I, I, I just, I love the way it contrasts with the lime, you still taste the power of it, it's a very, very good tequila. And the bottles are fun, so there's that too. So that'll be cool tonight. Um, and Kian, you know, he is, he is a wizard, he does his homework, so he will, he'll be able to get into the details on the bottles, the expressions, etc. so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Alright, so I'm going to get straight to your Candela, because I was telling Andrew the first time we smoked this. Next to... Um, Gelato de Lusion and his Candela. This is my favorite Candela's on the market. Um, there's a lot of Candela that personally I just don't smoke yep. because there's one of two issues. It either tastes far too young, meaning that there's a lot of, of not bitterness, but ammonia to it. Um, like there's a lot of moisture that was left around in it. Um, or it just gets incredibly bitter and dry. And I'm not, I'm not fond of it. Um, yours, there's a sweetness in it that it doesn't matter across the side. Like, I'm gonna smoke the, uh, what's the LE tonight that's got the the mass candela? It's the, oh, it's the LED. LED. oh is yeah. that the Lucid LE? Oh, yeah. yeah. Fourth Dimension also has, has a lot of candela oh, okay. on the LE. I'm gonna smoke one of those yeah. um, in the LE size tonight, kind of through the event and everything. Um, but no, I really, really enjoy it. So what what um, varietal, where do you draw your guys' candela from? Can you talk about that? Well, all our tobacco sourced out of the Dominican Republic, uh, there's no really a varietal because a wrapper is considered not necessarily at a certain priming because the, what I've been taught, I'm no expert, but I'm learning as I'm going. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you so much for having us on the show. I didn't get the opportunity oh, to say that. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, thank you for hosting us and all the good stuff. So it, it's an honor to be here. Um, but I was taught that when it comes to wrappers, the plant for wrapper leaf is completely different than what we use for filler. Uh, so when it comes to like what priming a wrapper is, I'm not one to tell you I'm the expert of knowing what priming he picked, what it is, but I do know that it's a different plant. It's a whole different procedure of, you know, uh, what would you say, the agriculture side of, of growing the tobacco. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's all that I really know. Uh, and another way to distinctly, visually uh, know what a wrapper looks like is the distance between the, 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 the veins on the wrapper leaf is pretty uh, large. Where if you like a, a filler leaf, and you look at the whole leaf, because you cut the leaves in half, right? If you look at the whole leaf, you have these veins on the side. The distance is going to be very short. You use that tobacco for filler. But when they are growing rapidly, that distance between the vein is very far. The reason being is because it has to be pretty when you're using it on the outside of your cigar. That's how you determine if that's a leaf for rapidly or not. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your question. That's the medical view. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which is important, but no, Candela-wise, we are just right on board with you, man. I love the aesthetics of it, 
pretty beautiful candela in the way we put our accents on our cigars blends so well at that San Andreas accents on the foot and on the top of our sticks that it, first of all, is gorgeous. But like you were talking about, there's very, very few candelas on the market that aren't that grassy, hay-like, not a flavor that I'm too fond of, to put it there. But, uh, so literally, it took us almost a little over two years to come up with the blend. And we blended everything in a Toro first, which was a six by 54. And we finally got it down. We like it, this is it, this is exactly what we want. So then we started spreading that out over the smaller ring gauges, the Robusto, obviously the, uh, uh, the Bellicoso, and then it got a little more. So we had to, we blended this particular cigar, all of our cigars, to each size. It took us forever. But he's worse than me, as you can tell in his answer when we were getting into it. His, he is <laughs> meticulous as could be, which I love because we didn't want to put anything out. And that was uh, not to our liking or to our satisfaction, more so than anything else is just being proud of the product. Yeah. There's very few candela sticks that are enjoyable. I love Illusion sticks. Yeah, very, very few. And that's very the few. first time uh, I had actually came. After I, uh, I had actually smoked Jake White. I had, Joe had actually posted something about Jake White. I had seen it. And then I don't know if you had gotten the samples or if the product had come in. We got one of the. Oh, we, we got, got the. Samples. We got those samples. Yeah. The product samples, right? Those were, yeah, those yeah, were gone. That's right. And then I smoked the fourth dimension and I was like, I really like the fourth dimension. Um, but when I saw um, Lucid Interval and, and especially in the Lancero, um, I got curious because again, I was like, you know, that much candela and it's, it's just sometimes, man, it's, it's, it's not what you're into. I mean, if, if you're in, if you, you know, if you're into that, that side of the spectrum, I guess it's cool, but if you like flat flavor and nothing else going on, then go ahead. That's awesome. It's great. I love it. Good for you. Um, that's been the status quo with us too. Everybody almost has your identical view on that candela-wise across yeah. the market. And we say, just give it a try. And it's actually become our second top selling skew in our whole lineup. That's, and that, awesome. that's not why we blended it, that's not why we did it. We wanted something new, we wanted something on the light side, we wanted something beautiful, and we screwed with that blend till it was where we wanted it. Not even thinking for a second that it would uh, get the attention it has, and it's it's just had a lot of rave reviews, which is great. It's very complimentary to us, for sure. That's awesome. I remember when we first smoked uh, our blend, and Neil and I. It was afterwards. We actually were uh, blending a lot that day, and then we were on our way back to either to the car to get dinner or the hotel. I don't remember. And I was smacking my lips, and he was doing the same thing. We're like. God, it's so sweet, you know? We're like, it's so sweet. We're like, we got to do something with the candela. We got to do something with the candela. And that's, and I still remember that. We were right at the top of the hill waiting to get in the car. And we were talking about the candela. And we were totally convinced that we're going to do the candela. And, uh, yeah. So here it is. For sure. yeah. <laughs> I get it. And whatever. I mean, it's just really cool to see. See another candela hit the market. That, that, that's all it was for me. I was almost giving up, you know. Like it's, it was to the point that when I would see it, even if somebody was like, "Hey, go," no, I'm good, you know. Like, you know, there's, there's been the one that was great, and then yeah. every other one after that was just, you know, I'm out. And, but with this, I, I really like I'm telling you, it's there's this, like you said, there's a sweetness there that stays through that entire season, which which is fantastic. I like that a lot. Um, so where are you guys? Where are you guys at in the DR? Where are you guys? What farm are you guys working with? Or is that small batch stay quiet, cool stuff? Or yeah, well, obviously we came into the market. So we we got involved 
like I was talking predominantly on from Gerard's perspective, both of our perspectives, we had no interest. If we were going to get involved in this, it was going to be all or nothing. And that's my background a little bit. I, I'm not so much as a control freak, but I want to have a control anything that's going to have our name on it. So we were over in the DR with I'm a couple buddies. Nice. And uh, went tons of factories and some amazing stuff. Uh, La Aurora, one of the oldest factories down there, some great people. Their master blender is just a phenomenal dude. Taught us an awful lot. But you know, they'll make cigars for all of us. You go over there right now, they'll give you three blends, pick one, throw a band on it, and you're in the market. That, yep. And then it's nothing that you would even, I mean, for us, was even close to what we were looking for. Right. So then when we obviously uh, went through our process of researching a lot of different factories, doing what we wanted, we finally just said, you know what? It's gonna cost us a lot more, it's gonna take a hell of a lot more time, but we're gonna do it from soup to nuts, and that's what we did. We were introduced to who became our master blender. He's like a brother to us now. Um, unbelievable fit right out of the gate. Make unbelievable cigars with in taking all the vision from our minds, collectively creating, farming, priming, picking tobaccos, rolling, uh, uh, the accents, complete control. Full on boutique, three, four hundred six a day at most. And then obviously with, with that, you know, I love marketing, I love doing a lot of stuff and the market's changed a bunch. It's gotten a lot younger. There's a lot more visual aspect to a lot of things going on now. Um, and we went to our first PCA after COVID and we had a just a really favorable response, which was flattering. But then we had to make a decision. I told him, you know, this is it's pretty crazy, which is great. It was overwhelming. So then we, from there, we knew right then we had to uh, reposition and get a larger factory. So that's literally what I've done all last year. Both of us have done all last year is come out with our new factory. It's taken a full year to get in there. They're actually finishing up all the demo as we speak. Got everything approved. We're ready to go on that. And now we'll be producing as many cigarettes. It's about just under 20,000 square feet. So it's plenty. Boy, for a long time, yeah. we can grow within that, and we have so many visions, so many ideas. So yeah, that's I, I kind think of where we're at. Neil and I, the same type of personalities we have when it comes down to like, we don't like to be in the dark. You know what I mean? I want to get to know exactly how things are being made. I got to see it, you know, from the from the growth aspect to all of it. Because if I want to speak about something and talk about something. You know, you got to know from soup to nuts, you know. And I, I give my dad, rest in peace, a lot of credit. I remember when I used to work for him, he was a contractor. He would have me sweep the floors first before I could even touch a paintbrush, learn how to sand first, learn the different grits of sandpaper. Um, that's just the way he was. And uh, he taught me that way growing up is you got to know the process from the beginning. And then you graduate to, you know, being a master, you know, what a carpenter, whatever you want to call it. But... Uh, it's been a lot of fun, it's a lot of work, and we're very, very excited, very proud of our product. These blends are coming out of our, uh, our not only our dreams, but our, you know, compiled vision, uh, what we look for. Uh, Jake is his son, White is my son, it has our son's name on it. So it's like, there's a lot of uh, reverence, I guess you want to use that word? That would be appropriate. Yeah, that's where we're at. A lot of cool stuff to come. It's yeah. exciting. They've got so much stuff in the work. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what's, who, what was the accent idea? So Why? Gerard had a lot of input on that. Um, and we went through a lot of different things from the standpoint. And you've seen some collectible 
type of artisanal cigar. Yeah. It almost looked yeah. like you want to put them in the humidor, not even smoke them. Right. But nowadays, the market has gotten a lot younger. Social media has taken over big time. The aesthetics, I think, are very, very important, and that was both of our understanding. And we wanted to do something. It takes us two extra days to make a cigar than it would like a traditional cigar. Oh, I'm sure. Just to go, so we go through our whole uh, sorting process, and we go through our whole blending process, and we put everything in the age room, and it goes into our art department. They'll do the, the, the lines on the top and the bottom on our traditional lines, our, our limited editions, a whole different conversation. And then the final day, they'll put the, the, the finishing touches on it. Why? Because it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. No, nothing more. It adds, it adds a, a real distinct, almost signature to what we're doing. Right. Um, and if you, if you look, like in a box or whatever, I mean, everything is measured. And what's crazy about everything in the cigar space, I know for ourselves, is everything's handmade, 100%. Yep. So you look at the bottom of, uh, of a box and, and all these lines are measured by calipers, by these guys are phenomenal what they do. It, it, and they're just artistically gorgeous. So that was the main reason. Um, yeah, and then from there on our gourmet collection, it's become, you know, predominantly what our, what our signature thing. And I think it's and it's you know and also it's a industry inspiration too it's not just like we trying to recreate the wheel here we have you know pete johnson comes out with his monster series yeah that's his own you know little signature thing that's really cool it's collectible you got Fuente obviously with their opus stuff and they come out with you know their most recent was the rare pink that was their little uh, project um, roma craft has the black irish the saber tooth you know, so many of our uh, friends in the industry have their own signature little collectible thing aspect of it. And that is what really uh, gets my juices flowing is when you get a box of like, you know, drag or, you know, Michael, or you get a box of you know, rare pink or, you know what I'm saying? You just have that collectible. It's that uh, bragging right that I found the box. And, you know, those are really cool things. And um, so we want to make a cigar that really stood out from that aspect and um, we were very lucky to be able to come thinking out of the box and make the cigar look yeah. different rather than a band of a box. Yeah, I was going to that's cool that you what, took your aesthetics and threw the tobacco yeah. and you didn't, you know, you don't have a $7 cigar that costs $11 because you got, you know, the cool holy grail of labels, you know, yes. it's just so we wanted to do something different and um, it was just an, in, an industry inspiration man, and uh, that's all I can say <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you don't uh, you don't smoke smoke much candela ever at all <clears throat> well I was gonna say that probably over the last three years I've probably only smoked two or three candelas and everything you guys said is exactly right. They smoke way different than this. Mm -hmm. This has got a real mild, uh, and I, I wouldn't begin to put a note on the flavors, but it is picking up a little bit, and it, it's just a good uh, cigar from the Candelas that I've smoked before. Um, a lot of them have been barber food. Some of them have been done in the past. That's the most common, uh, I think. But, when he, even when you guys handed me this, I wasn't sure this was the Candela one because it isn't super green. It's a real kind of mild, I mean, it is green now that I look at it, but I didn't know that. One of them I thought was a little greener than I had looked up there. 
but I was kind of surprised when this Bellicosa was the one we were doing. But, and it's got a real, even on the wrapper, I tend to leave mine in my mouth a little bit, and it gets a little sticky, and it, it is a little sweet on the end, I think. And it's got, uh, it, it's picked up though, as I've just dropped my ash. But the construction of it looks great. I mean, the wrapper's smooth, it's beautiful. What are letters on? Yeah, it's the it is. It's really it's really part of as far as as far as Candela goes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run away from that. It's 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 right there, right there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call it better. It's right there. I want to say that now that I've heard it, but yeah. Well, you'll smoke. You've smoked the Illusione, the trip eight before. You have. It's the it's the only other one you've ever seen me smoke. Um, but this is right there with it. It's, it's just, it's good. I enjoy it. Um, so what are the, where do the names come from on the cigars? Everything we do has a... It's actually funny you mention that because uh, that was probably the most challenging thing with anything that, uh, that eventually just came to fruition. Because him and I were bouncing all over all kinds of stuff. We, Gerard and I have been super close for over 20 years. We have a lot of mutual friends, a lot of mentors that helped us along the way. And it all stemmed from a, um, there's an English philosopher which is named Herbert Spencer, which is our San Andreas Maduro. And Herbert Spencer had a couple quotes. He came up with survival of the fittest and he also had another quote that was, nothing will keep a man in everlasting ignorance of the principle of contempt prior to investigation. Don't want to get too deep on everybody, but there's history behind everything. Okay. So in other words, don't knock it till you try it. And how that's come about through the literature that we came about, it's found within uh, the back of an appendix. It's called Appendix Two, where that is located, which is the name of our Connecticut, which is the Appendix Two. And a really close friend of ours, who was uh, like a father figure to me, and it was uh, a father figure to him, had an old saying that he said he said talked about tapping into an unsuspected inner resource, which was short for USIR. And that's what came in with one of our, obviously our Cabana uh, Rosado wrap cigar, yeah. which is the USIR. And fourth dimension kind of fits right in there. Obviously rocket into a fourth dimension, lucid interval. So all this stuff kind of literally came together in like a week after we were going back and forth. Well, I don't know about a week, but very short period of time after we were going back and forth with names for six eight months it seemed like and um, it all came together but but where that really came down to is like Gerard was mentioning earlier uh, the time the effort uh, the know with all we put into this and then the first thought was obviously naming the company which came after our boys my son Jay Gerard's son Wyatt which was near and dear to us so this is like you know like a I don't even know what you call it, like a starving artist type deal. This is our blood, sweat, and tears, right? So it was everything that, that has a story behind it. We have 22 count boxes. I played ball for quite a while. My brother wore jersey number 22. I wore 22, and now my son wears 22, and that's his contribution to this project, which is having a 22 count box, which is a little bit off of uh, the norm, if you will. But So everything has a, a, a semblance of a story to our history, to our um, legacy if you will and finally uh, carrying on with our kids so so lucid interval means anybody that has uh, suffering from like brain damage and is able to get that moment of clarity and be able to jolt himself out of that state 
that moment, that moment of clarity is called a lucid interval. And, and then why do we even talk about that? Um, I'll give you my little spiel on it, is how we came up with the any conventions. I, I, I'm an immigrant from Beirut, Lebanon, right? So we moved here and we didn't have any family. You know, I didn't have any cousins, uncles, grandmas, everyone's gone. It was me, my mom, and my sister. Um, I've always longed like friendships. I've always been a guy that wants a bigger brother. Never cared for a little brother, but I always wanted a bigger <laughs> or, uh, older brother. I love that mentor type of uh, relationship, you know. The, and uh, I met Neil at a, at a time in my life, uh, and Neil would always call me such a softie. It was funny, and, it, and it's kind of true because, uh, you know, Neil came, comes from a little bit of uh, professional sports, baseball. And he was almost at the tail end of his career due to the injury. And when I met Neil, um, you know, we started talking about life and things of that nature. And he introduced me to some books. And, uh, and these books were really helping me to shape the kind of person I wanted to become. Because, you know, my mom worked, my dad worked, and there was really not a lot of principles in my life, right? We, we have church, but being a young man and a lot of the influence of Southern California, just, you know, like, hey, bro, let's go surfing. Do this and do that afterwards and next thing you know it's like midnight my parents are wondering why i'm not home and so i want to latch on to some principles got a hold of some books we started talking and then i wanted to become a firefighter and this is where the softy drawer comes in i didn't know how to push through the physical aspect blood sweat and tears like when i'm running up and down the tower if i'm ready to puke you grab the bucket and you just keep going if you puke, you know what I mean? You don't stop, oh, my side hurts. You know, people are counting on you, 911, you know? It's like, you're it, bro, when you call 911. So, all these principles that I started um, gathering from the books and the philosophy that Neil and I were sharing, uh, that's how the naming, naming convention comes from. The fourth dimension, you know, like right here, right now, we have on a TV screen, we're watching Sports Center. It's, it's that special catch that you really need that clutch player to make that happen to win the Super Bowl and that takes him to the fourth dimension once you make that catch dude that's it you're the champion that is it's like beyond human right when you make that one handed catch how did he do that the crowd goes crazy you know what I mean and that is where we always want to live so that's how we came up with the fourth dimension so lucid interval do you want to stay stuck in your mental state and always be like Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, the bus sucks and uh, my wife sucks. And you know, it's like, no, dude, get out of it. You know what I mean? And those are the moments that we want to live for is to not be so human, but tap into that energy that takes you beyond. And um, I got goosebumps, <laughs> but I'll stop there. That's my medical version of the- uh, He went a little deeper than I would have. Yeah, that's, but that is the truth. That is how we came up with the naming conventions. We were, I was on my way home late at night and he called me, he's like, hey, how do you think of this, 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 the names? I was like, I love it. You know, and that's how we came up about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 100% organic, I can tell you that. There's so many things that go, I mean, it brings back memories. So me, there was a bunch of us when I was, I don't really talk about it much, but when I was playing, we would, we read so much stuff uh, as hitters and there was a lot of, guys you guys would know very well that were and we would share books constantly I mean stuff like Zen and the Art of Archery why because if you ever played sports baseball in particular seasons a long freaking time 162 games is a long season and you're going to go through ups and downs 100% you're gonna go 0 for 15 with 10 punch outs and 
and how do you get through that? So the mental side of everything in life was such a challenge, and these books of how to quiet one's mind, get refocused, doing all that kind of stuff, out of necessity, so you don't freaking blow your head off or get fired, one of the two, but uh, so that's that's kind of what Gerard and I are talking about. It goes into everything. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that's how we go about our company, that's how we go about work, that's how we went about training, that's how he went about getting involved uh, on the fire department. And my brother's the chief of fire in, in Burbank, California, and he's, uh, uh, he's, he's pretty tough laced, I guess you'd say. There was one time, I, I was, this was years ago when I was done playing, uh, we were working, I went to work, it was like 9.30 a.m. And my, and, my, and in LA, Orange County area, there's traffic. I mean, I'm sure there's traffic here too, but traffic everywhere. And he said, and, and he said what's up? I was on the phone sitting in line at Starbucks, and he says, uh, I said, you're on beat, I'm tired. He said, dude, it's 9.30, what's wrong with you? And he says, uh, he says, you want to see how tough it is? He said, get up, wake your ass up at seven, go check out the freeway, and it's bumper to bumper. Those people are going to work, son. <laughs> he said, 9.30, you're tired. Those guys are already halfway done with their job. Get your ass moving. I mean, that's how my brother was. But uh, so he was a tough-nosed guy for the most part. But it taught me a lot, and it still does to this day of just having to have that stick-to-itiveness, and you know, it's part of our personalities, and definitely part of what we're doing as a cigar company for sure. Definitely, you guys are definitely starting to get more and more. I don't know. I shouldn't say starting. I'm noticing it more and more of the media side attraction of it. It's definitely popping up more. Um, well, speaking of Andrew, that was actually a cool thing with Andrew, is we weren't in a hurry to just blow up a cigar company. Like, even how we started, it took our time, we started in a small factory and, and created all of our blends, and it wasn't about selling cigars or prestige, it was about doing something we were proud of. And we were always hesitant, obviously, to branch out and to make more of a footprint across the industry. Um, unless somebody had a similar mindset to, uh, I don't know, wanted to respect the company, to respect the, the process, to respect the blends, and to have, a, um, I guess, a love for the game, so to speak. And Andrew definitely possessed that as well. So there's your little shout out there, Andrew. But, uh, but, uh, but it was there for sure. And that's something that we, you know, it's not just about hiring reps just to have reps and cover territory. It's literally having the ability to talk about Kind of what we're doing now about this specific blend and each blend or whatever the case may be to share an experience i know we whether I mean, it could be light noted it could be fun it could be watching a game or it could be i mean i can't tell you how many experiences from having a good time some serious conversations with a buddy going through a rough time how much has been experienced over a cigar i oh, mean yeah. a boatload of stuff oh, good yeah. bad and everything in between man so that's the way we kind of look at it. Yeah, and it's really, it's really important too, like like you said with the company, that if you're gonna have someone that's going to, quote, rep or, or carry your product and distribute your product, like, there's gotta be an extension of you. Because what you what you don't want, is anybody can hire somebody to drop stuff off. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's, there's girls that get paid $30 an hour to stand behind a bar and pour shots and they don't know anything about the money. You know, they're wearing the Heaven Hill shirt, right? Because yep. Elijah Craig's there, you know, or whatever. Cool, you know, um, but to have someone that can then extend off of, of what what you would do if you were in this scenario as well, you know, that's it's probably the most important thing I think when it comes to the, the rep side of of the open industry, you know, 
that's why it's cool when you have the long running reps and you have the people that you've seen over and over and over and over with the same company. You're not not seeing them because they're bad at their jobs, because they, that trust has been instilled in them. They're obviously doing well, you know. For sure. Um, and with that, of course, come the sales and all the good stuff and yeah. keeps the business afloat. So, you know, that's important too, <laughs> to an extent. But Andrew, how have you enjoyed running with Jake White so far? I, well, I was about to say, I think it's hilarious because the first time we had ever talked was the week of PCA. I mean, the busiest week in the industry. And I hopped on the phone with Neil um, after I got done coaching. And I think out of our 25 minute phone call, I think only five of it was business and the rest was talking baseball and getting to know each other. Yeah. From that phone call, I, I knew it was a phenomenal relationship. That's great. And I mean, every every call since with these guys have been, been that way. So, yeah, you want to get the business done, but at the same time building that relationship and, and talking with Jan and Comet. So it's been really fun for the, I guess, one full month almost at this point that I've been actually brokering, but the couple months we've been talking to you guys. Yeah. So yeah. We're still on the honeymoon. Yeah. It's always it's always yeah. it's always cool too when you talk when you talk about how you say how many conversations you've had and we've had, we've had, we have. Even if you're there, it's all it always seems I've always said it makes me laugh. When you could you could be sitting down the entire reason you're sitting down is to strike a deal, do business, place a product, do something like that, right? And I know you've been in a lounge, or you've seen it happen, or it's happened to you, or you've done it, we've done it. You're sitting there, you're doing it, and then suddenly you're leaving the shop, and you're going to dinner, and then you're coming back for the event the next night, and someone else, and then next week you're like, oh, hey, by the way, I forgot to send this to you, can you go ahead? It, it, it's the environment of the, of, of the community that makes it happen, you know, where it, it is business, right? Let's get down there, right? You get, you, gotta, you make the cigars to sell the cigars, you smoke the cigars to rebuy the cigars, right? That's the idea. But the way that road gets met is there's no straight line ever. It's not a bad thing. It's it's the best thing, you know. And you get long. Like you said you're setting up, talking to him. We're gonna do this, and 20 minutes of your conversation is how you coach bad and his team lost. And then you know, by the way, let's <laughs> that day was exactly <laughs> that conversation. That's the best part. Uh, that's good. I knew that. All right, Joe. Let's get that pallet out. Yeah, we got Joe here too. He's a real guest of honor. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Get that pallet out, boy. Not at all. So, like everyone else has been saying, obviously Candela hasn't been something that I smoke the most of, and I think it's primarily due to the fact that there's just a scarcity of it on the market. It's just not a lot. The first Candela I ever had was just the Fuentes 858 Fino, which is actually a pretty good cigar. But the one thing that I noticed about it was you got to be really careful with what you pair with it because everything from coffee to whiskey is going to overpower it. I did find that gin and tonic with a little rosemary goes great with Candela a lot of the time. So that's something that I discovered. Um, this Candela, you know, you guys mentioned the Luciones Candela. This kind of reminds me of this one. Uh, and because it doesn't have all Candela to me has a little bit of sweet grassiness to it, which is kind of the draw to me. It's like you get that extra grassy vegetable note that you don't get from most other things. This one is just kind of flirting with that grassy note. It's not just the in your face with grass. It's it's there, but there's other there's some sugar cane in there. There's some just plain green tea leaves coming through. Uh, there's uh, just a, a nice uh, soft woodiness 
that kind of gets all over your palate at times. There's a lot of depth here. And I don't think depth is something you think of when you think of Candela. No, no way. No way. And I think you were right earlier, this doesn't stand out as the most green looking cigar, at least not in this light. Maybe it's a well, we've got per perfect uh, <laughs> selfie light in here, yeah. so you know the shadows are amazing. <laughs> but uh, another thing that I noticed with this one is, like, you can see my burn line. Yeah, this is a really good burn line for a yeah. candela. Yeah. Like most candelas, I'm sitting there babysitting for the lighter. For like per perfect fermentation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exact amount of moisture in the leaf. Everything is dialed in on it for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I always joke. I always joke with with Joe. Um, because I, I make, I can't stand um, a lot of these guys that I call them like the super guana tasters. You know, they, they they draw on a cigar and it's like this reminds me of that one time I stepped in mud, licked the leather, <laughs> kicked myself in the face, landed on a bar, and then went down that slide. There's a little bit of that in the back, and it's like, dude, Mark, hold on, Mark. You know, last time we were talking oh, in person here, that's hilarious. I was bringing up white pepper. You did, and no, that's and what I'm getting you to. You were calling bullshit. That's on what I'm getting to. Let me, I'm so gonna compliment you. Let me finish before I stop, because I'll just throw this shit in the trash. <laughs> so we're talking and we're sitting here, and I had asked him about white pepper, and he explained it. So I started thinking of it the way he explained it. The reason is the guy's got a huge food background. Like he, his family's Show been in food, he's gone. Through. So it's when when he's de when he's designating these taste notes, it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of get with it, you know? But when you're just a guy that like you used to do publication and now you're smoking cigars and writing in the paper and you wear a hoodie in Texas all fucking year long <laughs> and you just <laughs> constantly are saying the wild shit. And then some. And then my favorite is someone smokes cigar and they're like, "Yeah, it was good." Like, I'm like, "That's it. That's all I you need." I smoke it again. Good. Sure. Yeah, like yes. Well, I'll buy three. No big deal, right? Like, but that's that's one of. The, so I, I love it when he go when he goes off because it's it's fun. It's like I like when he when he posts and he, he rambles through it. It's I look. I'm always waiting for someone to like say something because then I can like because I know I'm like yo he's a food shit fucked up. Like, he's got you know he's got he's got degrees and stuff you know. But I, I've had a guy who just sent me a reel on Instagram basically doing. Mm -hmm. I laughed my ass off. It was so good. That's perfect. But on, on the note of white pepper, I brought you some. <laughs> I did. I remember that you gave me a little bit about white pepper. And so I brought it to you. So you can smell it. You can play around with it. There you go. Now be careful. It's pungent. <laughs> We're keeping that here. <laughs> As a reference point, yeah. anybody else who wants to know what white pepper is. Yeah. So. A little bit goes a long way, just saying, which is why I only brought so much. And it's also a little expensive, so I don't want to bring it. Uh, white pepper. It exists. Yeah. Uh, well, thing. you heard it here first, folks. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's some powder in a bag, so we'll figure it out. I would not recommend snorting it. Did you, yeah, no, no, no. Did you make this? No. No, no, no. Because no. there must be a special pepper place you go to buy white pepper. No, I, I mean, every restaurant supply place will carry it. I think it's the uh, it's the cow, the spice shop under the bridge. Well, I'm just you know saying. I, in my local <laughs> area, there's, there's no restaurant supply company, but all the, I kind of looked for it, and because uh, I was really interested as well. Right. Um, like Soulard yeah. has, they probably have it there because yeah. they have a huge uh, spice area down there, which I know people stand in line to get stuff down there. So 
the white pepper is really interesting. White pepper and black pepper come from the same plant. They're actually the same berries. They'll, they'll harvest black pepper before they're fully ripe, and then they'll roast them to get all shriveled and black. Those are the black pepper ones. The white pepper corns, they wait till they're fully ripe, and then they soak them in water to ferment, and then it rinses off the outer shell, so all you have is like the core of it. And when it, after it's dried, it ends up being a little sweeter. It's got some citrusy notes to it. It's very pungent. It doesn't have that sort of charred flavor or aroma that black pepper does. So this is why he's not talking about white pepper. I see right um, so when you guys are sitting down and you're blending, right, because we just had our What's fun joke about taste notes and yada yada yada, right. what, what uh, it's, it's an annoying question, but what are you, so for you, when do you know the blend is done? Uh, How do we know the blend is done? Yeah, when do you know, like, okay, A lot you're, of you're, you're, you're blending <laughs> the lucid interval, right? Mm -hmm. I know you're going through iterations of it, I know it wasn't a one punch, but it was, share your secrets. Uh, but when did you, like, what was the method to get to that's it right there? Well, we have, you know, when we come out with a cigar, we also have our massive blender as well. It's not just me and me. We do have a massive blender that knows tobacco, knows how to grow tobacco, all that there stuff. And when we did the Lucid Interval, I do remember, uh, for, for my side of the story, is I remember, I'm not sure if it was too mild or too strong, but we did have to... Uh, you know, revise it before we said, yeah, this is the way it goes. But initially, whenever we make any cigar, uh, we always start with the uh, baseline. And the baseline is that we pure, excuse me, we roll pure grades, right? So if we're gonna work with, if we're gonna work with Candela, obviously, you know, we wanna roll a little bit of just the Candela and taste it, be like, okay. And then what will go good with it? Uh, will Corojo good with it? We'll try a little Corojo, we're like, oh, that's gonna probably not blend so well. So we'll do a pure grade of like Criollo with Ocho, a little bit of Piloto. You know, we'll, we'll start playing with a whole bunch of different pure grades, and then we'll go to the drawing board of having the rollers roll us a sample of like, hey, put some of this in this one, put some of this in this one, put some of this in this one, and then we'll try them right then and right there. And then right away, we're like, oh yeah, this is not gonna work, you know what I mean? Or some of this, we're like, oh, this might work, but let's do a full blend of it, let it sit for a little bit, and then see how it's gonna be. And uh, it is very challenging uh, because of our environment. And um, again, I'm gonna get on the medical side of it. We live in Southern California, right? So when we're blending things in the Dominican Republic, a lot of stuff is very fresh. Right, so you're gonna have a little bit of ammonia in there. You're gonna have it a little bit stronger because the tobaccos are still kind of wet. So we'll make a few bundles and we're gonna bring them back home with us. And now we're in Southern California where it's very dry, you know, it's hotter, uh, well not hotter, but it's just different climate. And now I'll smoke the cigar at home. I'm like, this is not the same blend. The employee messed with us. And then Joel, our mess was like, no, dude, it's the same blend. I'm like, no, Joel, something went wrong. Like Gerard, like oh my, and that's how he started knowing who Gerard really is, the neurotic guy. <laughs> and then I started learning by doing more and more research myself and getting myself educated that environment makes a difference sometimes in the smoke. So that's where we had, to, and then we go back down to the Dominican and we roll, and we're like, oh my god, it tastes the same. It's the same blend. We flew all the way back to the Dominican just like on a hunch of my neurotic, you know, consensus. But that's what it takes, man. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But all and your then, original, huh? All your original blending, and you guys tasting and smoking and smelling, all that was done with the blender. 
down in the yard. Absolutely. Oh, okay. We have to so have we, yeah, we guidance. Go down. And this crazy thing, what he's mentioning too, uh, how a quarter of a leaf, uh, a third of a leaf, a half of a leaf, just like putting in, you know, you know, four more shakes of salt on some, it changes everything. Completely. It's crazy yeah. how much intricate detail goes into that. And we go down, I mean, like, see, a lot of guys always ask if we'd love to come down with you guys and, uh, uh, hang out, let's go to the factory for a few, then we'll go, you know, see the sites, go down to the beaches. We still have, I've never been to a what beach. beaches? We have not we been, been to the beaches. We haven't been to any of the beaches. <laughs> we literally, right to the factory. We, we get out, well, when we first started going down, we were taking the red eye, because I was still coaching a lot, so, and he had little ones. So we would leave on Sunday night on the red eye, we'd go for the entire week, come back Friday super late, because I'd have to coach on the week. So weekend, we were in this, so we would literally get off the red eye flight in the Dominican, go directly to the factory, completely out of our minds, because I can't sleep on a plane with the crowd. He can, he used to drive me crazy. And then we would start, just like we're sitting here. We'd have three or four different uh, ashtrays around, and we would just have just piles of, I mean, you know, you're not smoking a cigar down to the butt no, any stretch, no. but just sampling and sampling. That is what we love to do. We'd sit there for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, till your mouth is just completely just charred, trying to figure out what it is. I mean, we're, you know, just completely out of our brains, but that we love doing that kind of stuff. It's so much fun. And then you have to let it settle. And uh, like you mentioned, we bring some stuff back. It's gotten lighter, it's gotten, you know, whatever the blend altered in whatever way, but um, that is our vacation. We just yeah. love doing it. It is so much fun. We could sit in that factory all day, every time and, we're down and there. And I would say 90% of the blends that we make is I'm always very critical about our work. And then we get down to like, it's pretty much the final blend, right? I'm so like, uh, 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 uh. it's like you want some, you know, wine with that cheese, Gerard? I mean, I mean some cheese with that wine, whatever what we're saying is. But eventually what comes down to, Neil's like, good, it's good. I look at Joe, Joe's like, he just raises his eyebrows at me. You know? He doesn't really say, I'm like, all right, two out of, you know, two out of three. I'm like, okay, and I give in, right? The funny thing is we'll, we'll come back and we'll be like, um, whatever, take the Candela as an example. Right, I was gonna go like, there. Yeah, you know, well, you know, maybe not. And, then, and we'll smoke another Candela. And then we'll smoke ours. This is the best Candela on the market. <laughs> yeah. This is the best Candela that's ever been made. So, you know, we'll go from one end. I don't know if it's good. Oh, holy crap, this is damn good. So, And that's what exactly happens. Is like I'm kind of like, you know, still on the fence, whatever. And one day I'll just take a candela and I'll smoke it, whatever it is. And I'll come to him and I'm like, man, this is so good. He's like, oh my God, I've been telling you that, Gene, for so long. <laughs> Enough already. You know, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. You know, and that's how it works out. It's just, I need... I need my people, you know what I mean, to really, and that's how it comes out. It's a collective decision, and uh, we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing we do is we chase um, flavor a lot when it comes to our blends rather than strength. Um, you know, before us even getting to the manufacturing, you know, I grew up as a, as a retailer. My dad was a retailer. And a lot of times when you smoke a cigar, the first inch is always just like burning the heck out of my tongue. But eventually my tongue gets used to it and then it becomes a good cigar. You take a little bit of water, right? Well, that kind of sucks to me because that I have to do that. I have to kind of get my 
palate you used to cigar. How about just smoke a good cigar, good right off the bat? And anytime I find a cigar that's really good right off the bat, as a price tag, $20, $25, $30, you know what I mean? It's high quality product, very well aged tobaccos. And we're like, that's what we want to make. However, our product is not priced at $20. It's rather than 10 to $12 range. So that is what we are, you know, uh, offering the market is that high-end smoke and the five-star product at a three-star price tag. Um, it, it's very, we're very proud of the product. Do you think the extra tobacco accents you guys put towards the foot have yeah, any input as far as making those first puffs better than the average cigar? Um, we've never really put that into consideration that that's why we're doing that. I haven't really noticed it, but some may say they do notice it. You may notice it, Joe. You have a better um, understanding of flavors that I do than I do. Excuse me, but when it came to the accents, no, that was not the intention. It was literally just for aesthetics. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you, you did it for the look. Right. Nice to know if it was something that you noticed long down the line. Like, mm-hmm. no. The only time that we is do it, feel is it fourth it, dimension that's got the candela accent. The barber pole for different. Different. Well, yeah. well yeah. Not, not just the barber pole, just in the Toro size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You when you like that initially, that accent, you catch that sweetness. Catch that. It's, okay. it's right. It's right there. It's like yeah, yeah, then it's gone. You know what I mean? It's gotcha. real quick. It's it's unique that way. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's cool about it. Because I found that to be the case a lot of the time. I'll have a lot of cigars that I do like quite a bit, but they take a few minutes to get going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's almost been something that I've just taken for granted. It's like, well, I'm going to wait a little bit before I say anything or positive or negative about the cigar right. until I get it further in. Um, but uh, going to the Herbert Spencer, the one that's my favorite for you guys at this point, it blew me away how much complexity you got right away. So I just, I had to ask you maybe those accents. I don't know that's, that's the that's the one that I, I know I know it's I taste it because it's drastically different just for a second and then it's you know then we kind of get into the build of the body of this mm-hmm. one that you know that is one thing I did want to ask though because I noticed on all your blends you guys don't strength wise everything is is would you consider it mild medium or just kind of an even kill medium across the board see I'm different and Neil's different I say it's more mild to medium Neil is saying it's more medium I, I like some stronger stuff. Yeah, this is mild to medium for sure. Yeah, yeah, Connecticut as well. It's definitely mild to medium. Yeah. Yeah, what would you view the uh, Herbert Spencer as from a a strength perspective? Medium medium full, actually. It had some some weight to the smoke. You know, when I was looking up the blend, I found out very early in my knowledge of Jake White, it does not smoke like a thing. Mm-hmm. We get a, that a lot. Actually. It's got a weightiness to it that you usually find in like Nicaraguan pearls. That's why it's smoking. It's dense. Yeah. And that's my vibe too. Gerard, is, his palate, and which is actually a great thing for for us as a company, are vastly different. Um, but but they complement each other quite well. Gerard can recognize a great cigar as best as anyone I've ever met. Um, but he does like a lot of stronger cigars. I am medium, medium full at most. I want to enjoy a cigar. I don't want to get kicked on my ass. Sometimes I do, don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, I like some yeah. really strong ones in a while. Yeah, I'm a big, bigger smoker. I like strength is, is more, I, I enjoy strength. Yeah, yeah. And, I, we, and that's a big reason why we 
flavor is a big thing to us, more so than strength. But you still gotta have, obviously have some strength there as well. Yeah, you gotta have some, and that's probably, that's really fun too, and that's very fun in blending, I do know that too. Have you know, your, your strength profile, right, between the lines being mild, medium, and then you've got about a medium voice, and Herbert Spencer Jones, like the one, in, in, in that feel and strength. But then in your mild to medium, still have that body, the flavor yes. of the smoke, Full body. the First output body. of the smoke. It's, 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 like you said, we use, we use density lines. I, I think it's a really descriptive word when you're talking the body on a smoke, right? Mm -hmm. When you let your draw out and you've got a steady movement of smoke, and you've got all this tingling going on on your palate, that's your body, that's, that's that full extra. All of it's coming out and it's jumping. And I think that's really cool when you can blend that way across the line, right? No matter your strength profile, and still have that body mass across everything in the line. No doubt about that. That was me smoking and pointing at Andrew. He wasn't going to say anything. Oliver, how you doing, man? Doing great. What are you smoking? USIR. Uh, USIR? Yeah. I like that belt, though, so it's a little bit I do enjoy that. Yeah, and then we also have our newest collection. So all the cigars we're talking about with the artesian accents on it are part of our gourmet collection. So we have five cigars in the gourmet collection. And then we wanted to do some, I wanted to do something different. And uh, we came out with the Connoisseur collection, which is only one cigar right now, which is called the Lithium. And that is a Habana wrapper. However, we used a completely different flavor profile for that with the Corojo binder. And then we're using hybrid tobaccos uh, out of the Dominican. And right now, uh, hybrid tobaccos are kind of on the rise. You may not be hearing a lot of that. Uh, some people think it's more like a myth or something. You know, it's like another gimmick, but it's really not. It truly is. You know, they take Piloto Cubana, Criollo, um, and they pair the seeds together. And it has to be a process where um, they marry them and then they grow tobacco and they take the seeds and remarry those same seeds and, and then they do that until it fully marries together and it becomes an actual tobacco that they can uh, consistently be able to produce that and hybrids are becoming very popular because you know Corojo is Corojo, Piloto is Piloto and we have so much of those staple yep. tobaccos that you can only make so many blends out of those right we've, I think we've nailed it pretty good but now with hybrid tobaccos coming out it's going to bring us to a whole different spectrum and the lithium for us was the inception of using the hybrid tobacco in the filler and that hybrid is uh, very unique, uh, very new, out of the Dominican Republic. And that has a lot of citrus hints, notes to it. And that's why I uh, really like the lithium as well, because we designed that cigar rather than um, giving you the flavors on just your, your palate in your mouth. It's really designed for retrohale. Uh, Fantastic. So Manuel Inoa, out of the uh, La Aurora factory, the master blender, you know, he's a very good uh, business acquaintance and friend of ours. He took us through like a little mini seminar when we went to La Aurora, uh, our first trip down to the Dominican, and he uh, educated us that in, on the tongue, we have only four flavors we can witness, uh, bitter, sweet, sour, and spicy. But through the nasal cavity, it becomes a whole different subjective Point of view and the reason why I said subjective because again I live in California right so I noticed Chinook winds which are called the Santa Ana winds so it's dry it's hot um, and I don't witness like 
you know, sleet, snow. Um, there's not a lot of foliage like there is on the East Coast. I never grew up on a cattle farm, so I don't really know the smell of manure like a person that, white you know, pepper. or white pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Born yard hay. Yeah, Born I know, hay or hay whatever it is, uh, right? Yeah, so yeah. he said that, you know, when you start learning how to retrohale, you're gonna pick up notes that's gonna be completely different than what Charlie will notice when he writes a, a review on half wheel, you know, is because that's his subjective point of view. Um, but that's why he also has a panel of not just Charlie, but he also has Patrick and one other individual, which is Brooks. Yeah, so they do a pretty good job. And uh, so Joe here has the palate because he has the background of, you know, gourmet foods and being a cook and having the interest of, you know, Buying white pepper in a Ziploc bag, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's still going to turn yeah, it's still to the base. Right. <laughs> so when it came to the lithium, we wanted to make something that is really good uh, for the retrohale, and a lot of people don't know how to retrohale. Um, which, don't. yeah, but which they are, that. they are missing out. They're, you really, really are missing out. And I have been smoking cigars since I was 19. Not until my 40s or late 30s that I started learning how to retrohale. So it took me a whole different spectrum, you know, and um, so that's what we're doing. We're not only making cigars that we think we know what's going on. Um, I don't know how to phrase this, but as we're developing our knowledge on how to blend cigars, we're starting to learn how to smoke better too. That yeah. sounds kind of corny, like how do you smoke better? Well, that's a prime example we know about retro here, you know, and other things are going to come along and other things will uh, develop and that is the art of making a cigar, hence why we have, you know, developed our own factory. We didn't want just somebody making a cigar. We want to know, we want. We don't want to be in the dark. Um, and right now we're working on a new blend and I want to make something a little bit, you know, uh, stronger in strength. However, is when you load something with a lot of Ligero, it burns really hot and that's going to give you that char bite burn on your tongue and I can't stand that char because it turns my tongue into like a two by four stick of pine wood or something, you know? And, and so when it comes to us making cigars, yes, we focus always, always on flavor. To make something a little bit stronger, it takes a lot of work. It's hard. It's not easy. And um, we can make something, we can package it really nice and say it's a $25 cigar and market the heck out of it. And everyone's like, oh yeah, it's a great cigar. You know, there is a lot of placebo effect, unfortunately, in our industry, and that is something that's very hard to challenge. Um, but one day at a time, I believe that we can educate the consumers on understanding flavor versus strength. Yes, it's a big contrast in between those. Hundred percent. Yeah. And the confusion that happens in the two of those all the time. They, yeah, and they, they mesh them together, and yeah. it's just, it's, uh, it is what it is, it's going to take time, but I believe with social media, podcasts like this is going to really be able to change the optics of the, uh, you know, not only the consumer, but the blenders, the retailers, the whole entire industry. Yeah, Absolutely. so I, I like when you said that, when you said learn to smoke better, and you said that sounds kind of weird, but no, it's like you got to think that, I'm sure the first time you smoked a cigar, you smoked it really fast, right? You just, you just pulled, right. you pulled, you pulled, Too you pulled, much, pulled, then yeah. you get done, you burnt your tongue, roof your mouth, you know, you're not salivating anymore, you dried everything out, right? You learn to slow it down. 
okay? That's the same thing like when you learn to handle your ash, right? You're smoking better. Right. When you, it's because I haven't been able to ask someone, that, like everyone always has how they learn to retrohale and, and we're lucky enough that around everyone here pretty much retrohales properly, mm -hmm. right? How did you learn to retrohale? I couldn't tell you. I just did it. Just okay. I find it so hard because people they'll, they'll ask and they're like, "Well, how do you breathe through your exhale through your nose without inhaling?" I'm like, "Well, you can't do two things at once. <laughs> you can't exhale and inhale at the same time. Right? You can't release the smoke through your nasal cavity while you're breathing into your lungs. Right? I mean, I guess you could choke and it would come back up and then out your ears, maybe your eyes and all that, but you know, it won't work that way." Um, so if you verbally were going to tell someone how to retro, how would you do it? Um, for me, is I obviously going to take a drag of the cigar through my mouth. <laughs> and then before I even uh, exhale anything, you know, my cheeks kind of bubble up like that. I take a small little... What do I do? Bubble up? Like that. <laughs> I can't really show that on the podcast. But I'll start off. So I take a drag of the cigar. And before I exhale, I take a little bit of breath through my nose. And then I exhale. So when I take that little breath through my nasal cavity, I'm opening up the uh, whatever valves are need to be opened up in my nasal cavity. And then I'm able to open up that channel and I retrohale through my nose. And then the rest of it has to come through my mouth. I can't do the whole thing. There's always a little bit of uh, lingering smoke in my mouth. And that's how I do it. I take a puff, a little bit of breath through my nose, and then it's open and I just retrohale through my nose. And then that's basically it. Yeah. Very difficult to articulate, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. It is. I've, I've always, I've always said to people, I'm like, so what you're gonna do is, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna swallow and then breathe out through your nose. But then that always turns into, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, I didn't say, I think yo, I didn't say inhale it, you know. And I think a lot of a lot of people when they when they're learning to smoke, there's um, especially the whole. I find it a lot with, with ex-cigarette smokers that we've had this conversation a lot. There's always that question, how do you smoke without inhaling? Yeah. I'm like, well, you know you can still breathe and not inhale, right? Those are, yeah, inhaling is a physical effect. You're making yourself, that you're making that happen. Breathing, you know, you can hold it for a little bit and then your body passes out and you're gonna start breathing again, mm -hmm. right? Because it's what it does. Yeah. So you can breathe without inhaling. And I, I tell people that all the time, but every time I say it, it ends up happening. They do the, <laughs> and it just and it goes and it goes. Yeah. Right. Now you got to hold the smoke in your in your in your mouth, and it's gonna brush up on the top of your mouth a little bit, the roof of your mouth, whatever you call it, when it comes through your nasal cavity. But that's where you you, you get that sting, that flavor, and then you get that scent, right? So for me, earthy notes are completely different because I live on the West Coast, opposed to somebody that lives on the East where they have a lot more greenery, a lot more rain. Earthy notes means completely something different for a guy on the East Coast than on the West Coast. You know? So um, it's totally subjective. It really is. So there's this question that, that Andrea brought up before that really turned into a continual question in every podcast anytime we get to sit down with a brand owner or something like that. I love it. Okay. So we, we had this question before. We were always talking about the idea of, of you know, you hear the term like golf cigar, the yard cigar, this or that. And uh, when everybody asked me, I was like, oh, I just don't have any bad cigars. Like, I smoke good cigars. Right? Right. I, don't, I don't buy cigars for when I'm mowing the grass. Like, if I mow the grass, I'm going to smoke a cigar. Right? That's what I want to do. 
So that led into golf, and I was like, no, nah, man, you know, like playing golf, you over smoking six to four hundred Maybe that's why the game goes to shit after the third hole. <laughs> or I'm through one of those, three beers deep, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna hit that ball over there. No, well, you're not. It doesn't work that way. Um, smoking inside versus outside. Mm. And the way we fine-tune that question was, do you alter the strength of the cigar versus being inside or outside? That's what we kind of fine-tune it to, because that's kind of been the synopsis we found out. Like, if some people do it not actively thinking about it, you just you kind of choose. Now, I smoke outside, right? I enjoy being outside. I, I think what I like about it is as the smoke leaves your palate, it's, it's kind of pulled away that you're just getting the, the, the final effect of the tobacco, right? So you're tasting it without, you know, everything being in your face. But with that being said, there's nothing like the first time you light a cigar and you're sitting down and you've got good ventilation with no fans kind of pushing everything, and you let the smoke out, it just resonates up back up through your palate because it's coming up by your face. So we dialed that in was, do you alter what you're smoking based on whether you're inside or you're outside? I definitely know. I golf a ton. I love golfing. Love Me too. Out. Not good at it. Yeah, I golf. speak as well, but I love doing it. At least attempting. Not good at it. That's a good question. I mean, I think about it kind of like um, first thing came to mind when you said that is yeah, I'm smoking good cigars that I want to enjoy all the time, whether I'm indoors or out. And I, I mean, I smoke a lot of Jake White cigars because I absolutely love them. But you know, I'm thinking like so sitting in this environment where you're still, we're talking, we're shooting the shit, enjoying our day. It's it's a different experience for sure. Uh, my concentration is not so much that we're hyper-focused on smoking the cigar, but it's a different vibe. You know, it's almost like, you know, you. I, I remember we were just, I took my son, we went to a Giants game in San Francisco and we're walking down on the wharf and they have all those guys doing the little uh, cartoon drawings of, of, of people and uh, some guys are doing the, the spray paint stuff. Now, think of an artist who's in his own studio, who's creating a, 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 a something with nobody around him, and, or, you know, obviously creating a, a piece with an audience or people around him. It's just a different vibe. Um, in some cases, it may turn out better. In some cases, it's not. But I mean, I, I'll enjoy the hell out of a cigar on the golf course. Um, and it's very specific to my to my golf game. So I think, right? It still hit many balls to the left, to the right, instead of going down the middle. That's well, we're just going to find any excuse I can for any reason that I'm, you know, my physical ability may be affected during the time I'm on the course. <laughs> right. You know, I think I scratched too hard last night. Yeah. You know, I pulled some. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to use any excuse I can. So I definitely use that when I came up. But, but when we're tasting cigars, it's funny because, like, when we're working or whatever, I mean, we literally, at least I smoke while I work all the time. But when we're gonna like really sit down and enjoy a cigar, we kind of leave everything out in the office area. We'll come back in our lounge and we'll sit down and enjoy a cigar. But not all the time. But when I really want to taste the notes of the cigar, I'm pretty hyper focused on the stick solely. Yeah. You? Absolutely. For me, it it, it does. Um, you know, I'm a little neurotic. So outside, oh man, I'm taking like a manifest. You know, is it windy? Is it too hot? Am I walking, not walking? I, I can't stand playing golf. I'm sorry, just too too slow and boring for I me. I ain't walking when I play golf. You know what I'm saying? Are you guys so, walk when you play golf? I no, sure as hell do. Get me in the so car. For me, outside, I'm like, uh, right. it's got to be like perfect weather. You know, I'm a total geek. Uh, you know, look at the wind. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, not a cigar kind of environment. I'm not going to smoke. You know, I, but for me to really enjoy a cigar, um, 
first off, no kids. <laughs> got to have the kids at home because I got a five-year-old and two-year-old and there's no way I'm going to be able to smoke around them. Um, but for me, if I want to focus on a cigar, absolutely indoors because I want the climate to be perfect. You know, it's either AC or heated because if it's too cold, I can't do it. And I want no fan. I can't stand wind when I'm smoking a cigar. It ruins. It ruins the smoke coming out of my mouth. It ruins the burn of the cigar. And I don't want any phone calls. I don't want any distractions because I will start retrohaling so much the cigar that I just get really jacked up. And I want a really good movie and a very comfortable chair. The last thing I want to do is like, you know, I have to adjust myself. And so at that point, this is late at night, perfect movie, just my buddies. The ventilation fan can't even be that loud because I want to hear the movie perfect. I want the cigar. And I want to hear every single aspect of the cigar if it's fully fully complex you know what i mean and i just like i get mesmerized i'm like god that's a good cigar you know that's what i look for i'm chasing the dragon so outside pretty much a no man the sun's too bright you know sunglasses no sunglasses if i wear sunglasses the smoke starts whispering between my eyes and sunglasses gets me all teary-eyed. Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm really bad when it comes to that, dude. I'm really bad, bro. back on the farm So you like smoking outside. Yeah. All I remember was a folding chair John Wick 22 and about 34 cigars with a three-mile-an-hour wind. To enjoy a good cigar, I mean, that's what it's all about, though, right? I mean, getting in that right environment you're going to settle down and you're going to relax. Yeah. Yeah and That's put it. everything together and to be outside i think is the ultimate but for you now right? that i listen to you it has to be perfect <laughs> right thanks bro <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic yeah but you know what me and mark do it's a little bit different of all the podcasts as long as we've been doing it we do stuff a little bit different is we got a lot of guys that talk about cigars on a podcast but me and mark every time we are pairing bourbon with cigars gotcha and he smokes more cigars than i do um, he's working i'm working i'm a contractor and but i'm always looking for the perfect time to sit down and really enjoy a cigar which is hard i mean but that's why you you, you got to kind of dedicate that time right. to get out there and relax whether it's inside or out and smoke that cigar but for me and him we do it most of the time on the show with a pairing of some sort of bourbon. Now we've done many different pairings, but it was just like this one. I have this one that uh, I thought it was seagrass, but it's finished in a port. Um, and I found it to be so much better than the original that I did, which is, uh, that's a Five Brothers from Heaven Hills. It was, it was a little bit too much of what we really like this was pretty simplistic, but he ha it had a nice little finish on it. That's what we do most of the time, and I think that's what's a little different about our podcast, is we're not just talking about bourbon, we're not just talking about cigars. So it's a little different aspect, and uh, it, which is kind of nice. When Joe first came in, I was like, when did I, Joe? And then I was like, oh yeah, I remember all three of us were down here going through all this stuff and talking about different flavors, food and, and taste and whatever but and white pepper and white pepper <laughs> yeah um, anyway yeah but i do like smoking outside you've got low wind and it's beautiful you're in the shade and you can pull out a great cigar 
I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we've got you know ventilation over us and everything going on, and then where other smokers are within whatever. Mm -hmm. No, you do not smoke outside. No, <laughs> no, 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 you stay very, very little. Very little. Right. They was up there, sugar. Yeah. I think I think there are times outside where, like you said, it can't just it can be. And the placebo perfect. of sitting on a hill looking out oh, yeah, over a yeah, valley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you feel like you're you're winning. You're just there doing it. You know. Um, all right, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, I know Andrew's got a potty, uh -huh. and then uh, we'll jump back in. We'll finish this thing up. Yeah, we'll kind of do some goofy questions. Hey guys, FFK here. Make sure to tune into every episode of Crafting Boodle. And don't forget that as listeners, you guys receive a 15% discount on the entire order when you shop at my store. Promo code CRAFTBOODLE15. Once again, CRAFTBOODLE15. Make sure you follow me at Instagram at FFK underscore stands. So you can receive that discount. And once again, thanks for listening and thanks for enjoying. Um, yeah, there's a, a, a local cracker called juca okay and when you take a few bites of juca that kind of cleanses your palate a little bit and the um, sugar and coffee but whenever we're blending something um, we're blending only just one blend so we're really on that same baseline just a little bit of tweak here and there so we won't blend like a connecticut cigar and then go right into a, a maduro so usually it's like we went down to the dr to just blend one blend and that's all we're focusing on all week. So our palate kind of is still on that same spectrum of what we're trying to get going, you know? Um, and we do get inspired by a lot of cigars in the industry. So like I'll smoke other brands. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to make something kind of like yeah. these guys, but I want to put my own twist to it, you know? So I'll, I'll, we'll go down there and I'll bring some samples of what I think I'll, we want to blend and then we'll do our version of it, you know? That's how we get inspired, you know? Um, that's basically how it goes. You know, we're not re recreating the wheel, we're just putting our own twist to a lot of cigars that pretty much are already out there, but we just want to put our own. And everyone's kind of that way now, right? You know, it's pretty it's, much, it's, I would assume so. Like you said earlier, the cool, I, I put us back on them because I wanted to get back, so we're, we're back on it. Oh, okay. I didn't want it, that was a cool question, I didn't want to dodge that. Um, we were talking about the, the new new hybrid seeds and plants that are growing, and that's really fun and exciting because, like you said, with Grow and Grow, there's only so much, right? Right? You know, it is still fascinating how in the same you know ten square miles of the same soil content, you know, four different growers can grow tobacco, can roll thirty different ones from those same ones, right? Right. That can happen, but you know, every now and then there is something that is rather close to something else. Especially when you start getting the size variants and things like that. Yes. Um, so with the the hybrid production, from a from a consumer standpoint, I'm sure the way you made it sound from from an owner standpoint is with you guys being so involved in the blending and everything, that's got to be really exciting because you're kind of on the fringe of creating, technically creating a cigar that hasn't existed. Yes. Yes, that is what is gonna bring to the spectrum is these hybrid tobaccos you know and i've done well not just me neil and i have done pure grades of like one tobacco like let's just say like if it's like a corojo right we've smoked a pure grade corojo from peru from nicaragua brazil and the dominican republic and you can tell the different regions how it affects the plant flavor of the tobacco when they're growing in different regions you know and that is where you have some you know uh differences 
and flavor, even though it's the same seed, but just grown in different regions. You know, there's that aspect too. But I think that we've already mastered that aspect of it. Like we'll put a little bit of Nicaraguan with Dominican. I know uh, LFD does use some Nicaraguan in their Dominican-based company. And they claim it's, not that not they claim, but it's made in the Dominican Republic. However, it does have some Nicaraguan tobacco. Um, Kaz Dagley uses some Peruvian tobacco and their cigars are made in the Dominican Republic, right? So there is that mixture of different regional tobaccos that are already being used. But when it comes to hybrid, that's a whole different spectrum, man. That's gonna bring us to a whole different. And is that hybrid level, is that done at the seed level? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm no expert, but there is not too far from our factory along the main highway, uh, Institucion de Tabacalera, I think they call it. It's like almost like a laboratory. So they're mirroring, they're uh, mirroring the seeds. They're marrying the seeds together. Because in the plant world, they do it on the branch, right? Like that's how they do their hybrid. I would assume so. Again, I'm no expert at it, but I, but when well, it comes to actual hybrid, it's putting the two seeds, marrying them together. Yes. And how they do that in a cocoon or Beaker, I don't know, but uh, but that's considered a true hybrid. Is when you marry the seeds together, and then I and then know, they so happens. they I know you touched on it. Earlier. They marry those, then they grow the plant to fruition, right? Yeah. Then take those seeds, they remarry them. I, something like that. I've heard that it's not a, just a one-time process. Like you sprout, a couple generations. Yeah, exactly. It's not like one seed sprouts, the other one seed sprouts, and you put them together so they intertwine, and then boom, you got a hybrid. I think the process is repeated two or three times to have two, three generations. Some do more, some do less, and that's where the, uh, the ingenuity is coming in. Some guys do it once, and some guys do it three times. You know. Um, I've even heard the way they grow tobacco. Let's just say we're going to talk about Corojo, right? Um, I've heard that AJ, when it comes to him growing tobacco, sometimes he likes to keep them short, so therefore they grow thicker and thicker as he cuts them short. Um, you have a plot of tobacco, right? One plot, somehow, some way, the tobaccos are grown under the shade of the tree over there on that mm-hmm. corner of the, you know, the, the back of the 40, right? Well, that plant is going to taste different, the plant that's more visible to the sunlight, even though it's the same exact plot. So even they're they're taking that into consideration that under the shade, it's going to taste different than two feet away. This is going to be under the sun. Even that aspect of it, they're really breaking down to a science now. And even even just combining those two, it would create a totally different hybrid. And that is where the generational experience comes from. You know, uh, father to son to grandson, whatever it is. And so there is something about generational experience that you can't take that away. So when it comes to like the hybrid seeds, obviously the pro is uh, variety and flavor. Yes. But what are the cons to that? Is it going to be too much separation in the cigar industry or is there even a con to it? You know, I really don't know because I think we're still very young in the industry for that. But when it comes to cons and pros, um, let's take Criollo 98, right? When I grow that in pure grade, it has a lot of sweetness, a lot of citrus, but on the other spectrum, it has a bite at the end of my tongue. It can get very, very sour and bitter. So that's when we're like, okay, we're gonna use Criollo. We wanna use the, the citrus and the sweetness of it, but we have to blend so we can mute away that sour, bitter bite that comes on your tongue. So when we blend, that's where you start learning full leaf, half a leaf, 
two leaves, you know what I mean? What is it you want to get? How's it burn? How's it not burn? Do we use more seco? Do we use more ligero? So that aspect of it is always present, is that there's always two sides of a leaf. You have the, the ones that we want, the flavors, but then there's a byproduct. Is it burning too hot? Does it char? Or is it just too bitter? So that's where the blending comes in, is to mute that, that the, the, the bad side of the, uh, the byproduct that it puts out. Uh, when, they're, when they're burying seeds, they take several generations to get a true hybrid. The idea behind that, I'm assuming, would be that they have some genetic stability so they don't have to keep there. Probably, yeah. probably. To Again, eventually reach a seedling that you can just take by resolution. Now it's yeah. a new yeah. seed that's not going to revert back to the original one. Right. right. And I guess there's like male and female plants. You don't want to, you know, have male and females in the same plot, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a lot of, a lot of work, man, growing tobacco. And I'm not even learning anything about that yet. And that will be something later on that was not learning about it. So, and that's the difference between Jake Wyatt as a boutique company and some other boutique companies that are not doing what we're doing, making it ourselves. Where you go down to DR or Esteli and you have you know, a manufacturer that has all that experience and just makes you a blend. Um, that makes you a private label. It's not bad. They make very good cigars. But for us as artists, Right. I can't say I'm an artist if I'm not making the cigars. You're just a commissioner at that. Yeah, basically. So even when it comes to picking tobaccos, I don't know nothing about picking tobacco. Up until about you know two, three trips down to the D Dominican, Joel took us out to a, a, a wholesaler where he, this guy had a barn full, full of bales of tobacco, and he walked me through the process of picking tobaccos, knowing if it's young or if it's aged. Right, and when I was smelling the young tobacco, it didn't have a lot of smell to it. Um, it had a lot of ammonia. It was very dry. Didn't really, you know, feel like as if it has anything to give. And then he found a bale. He's like, "Oh, this is aged." He's like, "This is at least two to three years of age because that's what happens when you have two to three years of age." Smell it, and he opens up, you know, a couple leaves, and I smell it. And it was gooey. Had a very sweet smell to it. It was almost like a, a Redmond Chew, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it had that gooeyness to it, and we rolled it up and we burned it, and I was like, oh my God, this is sweet. It's like, this is what age goes to tobacco. This is how you know this is good tobacco, and it really is two to three years, not six months. And somebody tells you, oh yeah, this is three years age, and you look at it like, no, dude, this is six months age. So that's how, you, and you chew a little bit, and you're like, okay, this is what we want, and this is what we'll buy. You know, making sure that there's not a lot of deterioration in the, uh, and the tobacco leaves itself. There's not too many holes in it. There's no beetles in it, right. things of that nature. Right. It's been yeah. kept well. So those are the way that we can, you know, differentiate good tobacco from bad tobacco, aged, not aged tobaccos. But so, and it's gotta be great to have your hands on it and through, through everything. Absolutely, and then, you know, that's why we have partnership to teaching us what we're doing. What are your, what are your opinions on barrel-aged tobacco? I don't have any experience in any of that. I don't, no. I feel like that's something that has a lot of potential because it hasn't been tapped into it. I feel, I feel it can be done, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but it's I just, so new. It's, yeah, I, I feel it's just being done wrong so far. Um, you know, most barrel-aids that you try, it's, it's got that, that 
well, I don't have the words that pungent, yeah. semi sweetness to it, right? Like it's almost like you can feel as if it was dipped into something, mm -hmm. and then quick dried it, right? But it's, it's just there, you know. There's been there's been a, a oh, uh, two the original um, the Winkle reserves that Drew did with Match. Was that Match? So yeah, those were barrel uh, bourbon uh, tips that were done in the Arlands for some sort of process uh, with the uh, with the Pappy Van Winkle and Drew Estates, uh, Match Cigar. He knew some people and helped some of the people at the Winkle, Pappy Van Winkle Company create a cigar. Um, and I think the first ones they put out were uh, like bourbon tip cigars. And that process was done somewhere down in New Orleans. Now those, those weren't bad because I, I had never smoked one and stuff that I had really gone out there, but he had a box of them and been sitting for probably two, three years at that point. Gotcha. And we cut into one and that was what I thought it should be. Like you could feel the essence of it was there. You could more you could more smell it in the in the the, the retro as you let it go hung out a little bit. You know, as if you were nosing a whiskey. That was there. That was really good. But then you get into some of the ABA stuff or the really barrel fermented age and it's just it, it tastes like like I said, like it was just dipped in a liqueur and quick dry. It's just there. It almost encompasses the cigar. Like you could, you, you almost. It's like it's like there's a cigar there, but it's like yeah, it's just this, this taste. It's just there, you know. But I feel like, like like Joe said, it, it, it it's gonna happen. Someone's gonna nail it, and I don't know if it's you know just using stays versus the actual barrel or using dried barrels versus. The, yeah, I have, I have no idea. Um, but I do think that will get tapped. It, it will hit, and it will hit good. And there's a lot of proprietary secrets. So you may smoke a cigar that you're like, this is so good, and but they never market that it's been barrel-aged tobacco. Yeah. You don't even know it. It's true. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? There's a lot of that, too. And they don't put out their secrets like, hey, we age these barrels, because they don't want to get, you know, mimicked. Yeah, and I guess there's also the expectation when you hear barrel fermented, you're expecting the taste. Right. Like, yeah. you or you're looking for a name. Right. Right. You know, who, who barrel? Who, who what barrel? Right. right. What barrel? Who yeah. was? It? Right. You're looking for that name. And maybe that's not even necessarily the benefit of barrel aging. It's like, what if it just adds an element that you were never expecting that can only be achieved by doing it this way? Right. I'm actually more interested in that. Yeah. It's also marketing. Right. I mean, yeah. Happy Van Winkle is. Exactly. You know. And then now, wow, barrel tip. You know, Happy Van Winkle line. You know, robustos. Like, wow, I want to try that. Yeah, that's a very big, big aspect. But I think that's the that's the draw. It's like you said, you know, if you got it, this, this barrel age, this no, this barrel age producer, what barrel? Oh, it's Van Winkle. Oh shit, I want that. Well, now, now you can charge seventeen dollars, right? Right. Right. You know, you can't just be like, you know, we found this this barrel. It's been used, right? You know, maybe we're using the the staves to help build the, the aging barn, right? Maybe the something in there, the way the moisture and the wind's gonna hit it, maybe it's gonna do something as the tobacco ferments, or maybe not, you know, we'll see what, what it is. Uh, but all right, guys, look, thank you so much for doing this. You guys got a whole much more talking to do tonight. Uh, people are starting to come in, so I wanna be sure you guys can go over there and tell your stories and do everything that you're gonna do. Um, Oliver, thanks for hanging out. Scooby Drew, good luck, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you for setting it up. Joe, you hanging out? Yes. Right on. We'll sit down and uh, we're going to 
horse on this. Yeah. We got we got we got rainbow colored straw. We got some white lines. Thank you for the white pepper. There will be a joke about that soon, I promise. Neil Gerard, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Absolutely, man. Say your say your goodbyes, and then we'll sign it out. You guys have work. No, thanks for having us. It's great to hang out, shoot the breeze, talk about some cigars, and all kinds of conversation. Thanks for having us. Oh, one more thing I want to ask. Yeah. Are you guys going to continue to do the lighter and cutter sets? Yes. Okay. The reason I love that lighter so much is I do have an 1870 kerosene lighter. Ooh. Now, it doesn't work, right? Obviously, I'm not going to buy kerosene for kerosene. That's just how I lose my hand. I've already worked it out. But the way the ignition switch on it, it looks like the old hammer and stamper light a kerosene lighter. And as soon as I saw them, I made sure I knew a guy that would make sure it would be there. So I could have it. It's fantastic. I love that. Um, it looks great. And I, I was really, I'm a soft lane guy. I, I really, we kind of all are in a way. I think I love soft lane lighters. Um, my baby is my Spectre 07 Dupont. Uh, it'll be a soft lane. That's, yeah. that's my baby. I have that. Um, and when I saw it at first, I was like, holy shit, it's soft. Got but then as soon as it got here and we lit it, I love that you have basically what looks like a flint operated system. It is a flint it operated is, system, right? Yes, it's not it's a flint operated system that yeah. lights a dual torch. And that's the advantage of this lighter is that piezo igniters go out. It's not so much that the, the jet doesn't give you a butane, it's the piezo igniter doesn't match the port where the butane is shooting and that's why a lot of torch lighters you know, they conk out where this is actual flint ignited, so that strike is always going to give you that light. So it's almost uh, bulletproof. So, you definitely can't use a soft flame outside. No, Even if it's the perfect movie with the great share and no wind and the fans off. Still can't use. No. Someone's gonna breathe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Um, we will sign this thing out. Uh, mahalo, guys. Thank you. Captain the bird, cowboy. Listen, thanks. Appreciate you guys being on the show. And from the Bourbon Cowboy, thanks for always listening. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Stone Tribe on the Craft and Puro podcast. Download our brand new song Island Time and help us raise money for United Cerebral Palsy. 25% of our profits go to help families pay for desperately needed medical equipment and procedures. Connect with Stone Tribe at stonetribemusic.com for music and the latest Stone Tribe merch.